right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time for that. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson here, and I am live out of Jefferson's West. That's the one over on Wakarusa, but great stuff going on at either jefferson's that you can make it out to today this is going to be an all-day thing going to be here for the show from three to six so if you make it out during the show then even better um i know right now is kind of a a tough time if you're at work or something but you get off at five o'clock you come on out and uh even if you can't make it during the show all day here at jefferson's the two locations both on wakarusa and in downtown lawrence you can tell them that you're here for the Rock Truck Round Ball Classic. 50% of your proceeds are going to go to the Round Ball Classic. It's 75-cent wing Wednesday, so perfect day to come out, get a bunch of wings, go to a good cause, and uh, make sure to tell them that last part that you're here for the Rock Truck Round Ball Classic. Like I said, I'll be here at Jefferson's West till 6 o'clock. We've got some T-shirts to give away. If you did not win a RCST Trivia T-shirt by your merits, by your wits as a uh, RCST Trivia contestant, well... Don't worry, you have a chance to get them now. Just come on out, and you're going to get hooked up with a free T-shirt for uh, the RCST Trivia T-shirt. But uh, while supplies last, we have some, uh, some other T-shirts to give away as well. And uh, reminder, tomorrow is the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. And uh, then we're going to be out at Free State for that one, 3 to 7 o'clock for our show tomorrow. So we're going an hour late. We'll have the game at 7 o'clock. And uh, then on Friday is the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic dinner on Saturday is the Rock Chalk Round Bowl Classic, which you can um, come out to and, um, you know, if there's still tickets available, you can check it out at rockchalkroundballclassic.com and be a part of all of the action. Um, as far as here today, we're going to have a uh, pretty loaded show on this one. We've got some good KU guests, some former KU basketball players, really good players who are going to be joining us here on today's show. Ron Kellogg is going to join us at 340, the former KU All-Big 8 player, a uh, sharpshooter, one of the best scorers in KU basketball history. I know that might sound like hyperbole, but it's not. Go look up Ron Kellogg if you've never heard of him before from a KU perspective because he didn't win a National Player of the Year. It wasn't like a first-team All-American. didn't win the title. They went to a Final Four. But, I mean, you're talking about a guy who would put up gigantic numbers. The, the list of 30-point games that Ron Kellogg had, and not just 30-point games on, you know, 20, 25 shots. You're talking 30-point games on 11 of 14 shooting or something ridiculous. And that was before the three-point line as well. He's one of the best scorers and shooters in KU basketball history. We're going to catch up with him at 340 here. Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, is going to join us here at Jefferson's around 4 o'clock. We'll talk more Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic with him. Then we are going to be joined by the two coaches of the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic at about 4.30. Wayne Simeon and Brett Ballard are going uh, to join the show. And who knows, maybe we'll get uh, a little bit of of uh, trash talk between the two of them 
as uh, Simeon and Brett Ballard will join us at 4.30. And then we have Diedrich Lawson, the uh, former KU All-American from 2018-2019. I know the team didn't have as great of a finish as you would hope for, but, man, Diedrich was so good. Averaged 19-10 and 10 over his season at KU, 25-11 and 11 in the NCAA tournament for Diedrich. He's back for the first time in Lawrence since leaving KU and back for the first time for the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. Uh, looking forward to catching up with Diedrich and maybe catching up with some some fun stories that uh, I remember as far as that goes. Um, I did want to go through some Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic history, though, as uh, we get ready for the event coming up here in uh, uh, about 24 hours. Well, yeah, 27, 28 hours, something like that. Um, this is the 14th edition. This has been going on since 2009. Uh, last year we had the Crimson team beat the Blue team 108-97. to It gave Greg Dryling the victory over Calvin Pony Thompson. Um, and that was the first and so far lone coaching appearance for Greg Dryling. Greg Dryling has actually played in this event before. He played in it back in 2016, but coming in as a coach for that edition, and he's 1-0. I wonder if he's just going to drop the mic and say, you know what, we're done, good from there. Calvin Pony Thompson has been one of the veteran coaches in this event. Uh, the only guy who's coached more games is Bud Stallworth, but it's funny, you take out Bud Stallworth from the equation, Calvin Pony Thompson, I believe, has has more, uh, you know, wins, losses to his record, I guess, uh, results to his record than any of the other coaches combined, again, outside of Bud Stallworth. Um, but for the Crimson team, you know, we don't always have record of which team was Crimson, which team was Blue, but we do have record of the coaches. This was Team Stallworth, this was Team Thompson, this was Team Pollard, those sorts of things. But going back and finding some archives... The Crimson team has won at least five straight games. So the Crimson team has had the uh, hot hand there. We'll see if the blue team can get one back this year. Of course, 2020 was the COVID year where um, we had to kind of throw a wrench into things, and that became the three-point contest, the shooting for the Stars. Devontae Graham ended up winning that. He made 27 threes in the contest. And, uh, you know, Svi Mikhailuk made 26. I, I think that Svi could have won the event, but... I don't know why he was doing this. Uh, Svi was shooting from, like, NBA range. Um, he was he was letting it fly from deep, and he still almost won. That's how good of a shooter Svi is. But certainly uh, Devontae Graham very deserving of winning the three-point contest for KU. So that was 2020. Prior to that, we had 2014 to 2019. We had Calvin Thompson versus Bud Stallworth. That was the installment each and every year. We had six straight years of it. They had met, actually, a couple years before, but that was – the really prime stretch of those two going up against each other and they went three and three in that stretch calvin thompson earned wins in 2016 2017 and 2018 for a three-peat bud stallworth won around that 2014 2015 he won back-to-back 2019 he won it as well and now um we're going to get kind of some fresh faces with the coaches we mentioned wayne simeon and brett ballard kind of joining the bunch but that was the prime legacy matchup between those two they also met in 2011 which that was a bud stallworth win so in the end bud stallworth ends up owning the series four to three um and over the course of the seven meetings this is what's kind of cool between the two coaches even though bud owned the all-time win-loss record four to three it was actually Calvin who owned the, you know, if you look by like aggregate, um, by total points scored and stuff by the two teams, the seven matchups, Calvin Thompson's teams scored 728 points, but Stallworth's scored 727. 
So over the seven matchups between the two, they were separated by just one point. Uh, they were awesome matchups. And, you know, that's that's been the case in a lot of these additions. Um, last year's game, ending 108-97, to 11-point game. That was kind of the exception to the rule. Most of these games have been very close down to the stretch. You look at the 2019 edition, it was 127-124. to 2017's was 104-101. to 2014, we saw a 91-89 game. 2013, it was a three-point game once again, 100-97. to 2012, we had the one-point game, which was the famous free-throw walk-off game for Bud Stallworth. He won 111-110. to It was tied. And then what happened is they had the two coaches shoot a walk-off free-throw. But Thompson, just money in that moment. 2010, it was 93-91. So you look at the last 13 editions here, and, you know, really 12 because um, the the shootout wasn't an actual game. But if you wanted to count that into that because that was, you know, decided by one difference in a three-point make, that would mean basically half of all of these have been decided by one possession. Six of the 12 previous games have been decided by one possession. And that's not something, this isn't just like, you know, it's not WWE wrestling. They can't. Um, just kind of force that to be and, and make this kind of play out that way. But it just has worked out that way, and I have a feeling we're going to get another good one, another close one here in this year's edition of the event. Um, and overall, as coaches, these are the tallies. you got Bud Stallworth. He's 6-5 and five all time. He has the most wins as a coach in this event. Will that ever be touched? I don't know. Uh, Pony Thompson, he has gone 3-5 and five in this event. Then you have the guys who have coached maybe one or two times. Scott Pollard's 1-1. One and one. Aaron Miles and Greg Dryling are both 1-0, and oh, dropping the mic from there. Uh, Team Ritchie was 0-1, oh so uh, unable to, to get off the schneid in, in his lone appearance there. But uh, one of these guys are going to be 1-0. Oh. One of these guys are going to be 0-1 oh between Big Dub and uh, Brett Ballard um, coming up in you know about 28, 29 hours from right now but we're really excited for this event tomorrow we're gonna have some fun festivities like we said fun player interviews coming up um one thing we are going to do on today's show as well is talk a little about the five recipients and, and that's what we're here for with the rock chalk round ball classic there's all these fun events there's all these great opportunities to meet these ku players to interact with these ku players to to be entertained and to have all this fun and, and to get you know memorabilia or whatever but um, at the end of the day, all of that is in name of these five families, these five kids who um, have been diagnosed with, you know, cancer or awful diseases at such an early age and cost a lot of money uh, in the medical field to afford all those hospital bills and treatments. And that's what this is helping with, with those families that could use that little extra help from the community. And that's what we're doing here. So I, I wanted to highlight all of the different recipients. Uh, we're going to highlight a different one in many of our different segments on today's show. Uh, the first one we're going to do today is Fatima Gomez. Uh, I've heard Brian talking before about it. She will just light up your world. She is just a spark plug and uh, really can be a star of the show. She's a 10-year-old from Olathe, Kansas. She loves music. Um, she was diagnosed with osteosarcoma. Um, prior to that, in the last year, loved to sing, loved to dance, um, but sadly her cancer battle has required a partial leg amputation, and so she hasn't been able to dance of late, but um, she is such a brave and strong young lady, and you can read all about these in, in these blurbs. I'm getting them from rockchuckroundballclassic.com, and, you know, obviously it's going to be awesome whenever she gets a prosthetic leg so that she can resume doing all the fun things she wants again. Um, she's currently being treated at Children's Mercy Hospital, and uh, looking forward to seeing her and 
what we can provide for her, both from a financial and just kind of support spiritually there with Fatima Gomez. We'll talk about the other four recipients coming up throughout the show today. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk live at Jefferson's. We're going to be here 3 to 6. We've got some T-shirts, some koozies, all sorts of stuff to come give away. So come on by. We're at the Jefferson's West location. Again, if you can't make it out during the show, just make it to one of the two Jefferson's locations here in Lawrence. And if you tell them you're here for the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic, 50% of the proceeds go to that good cause. It's 75-cent wing Wednesday for boneless wings. You know, that's what? Ten wings for seven fifty can't beat that, and half of it goes to a really good cost. So, uh, highly recommend coming out. Uh, Ron Kellogg is going to join the show in less than twenty five minutes. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST on FM one hundred one seven and thirteen twenty KLWN. Depend on it. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM one hundred one seven and thirteen twenty KLWN. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk out live at Jefferson's West over on Wakarusa. Derek Johnson here, Sam Speck back in the KLWN studio. There's actually a scrimmage going on with the uh, KU men's basketball team, and, and it's kind of like a, a camp thing. And um, Lynn Gillespie is, is actually out there kind of taking note of what's going on. Um, but here at Jefferson's West, you come on out. It's 75-cent wing Wednesday. So you get a bunch of wings. Tell them you're here for the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. 50% of the proceeds are going to go to the Round Ball Classic. You can come out and, you know, eat a bunch of wings, come out tomorrow for the game, get your tickets over at the brewery here in Lawrence or Johnny's in Topeka and Kansas City. You can uh, then come to some of the other events over the weekend if you can find a ticket for it. So uh, Ron Kellogg talked to him earlier today and I mean, seriously, like not hyperbole. One of the greatest scorers, one of the best shooters in KU basketball history. I know for a, you know, illustrious uh, KU or, or history that you have in KU basketball history, like that that does sound very much hyperbolic. But no, this guy was insanely efficient. He could outburst at, at any moment in time. He's kind of that perfect envisionment of what you think with that like microwave scorer and his nickname was special k but another nickname that ron kellogg kind of got along his time at ku was um for being this saturday specialist and i don't think there was an official nickname given with the saturdays but it was just he was very known for going off on saturday games um there was a stretch during his i want to say it was his junior season um he went 30 points against Wichita State, 31 against Colorado, 39 against Nebraska, 34 against Memphis, uh, which at the time was Memphis State, 34 against Oklahoma, all on Saturday games. And the Nebraska game, he went 16 of 19. And then the Oklahoma game, which KU won 82 to 76, he went 14 of 19. He had seven of his team's final 11 points in the final one minute and 53 seconds. Um, and, and it got a famous Sports Illustrated snap, crackle, pop thing. And, you know, uh, Special K kind of earned the nickname from there. So really enjoyed catching up with Ron Kellogg earlier today, sharing some stories about his favorite things about Larry Brown, his favorite games, his favorite memories from on the court, off the court at KU, and what he's looking forward to with the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. Here is Ron Kellogg, former KU All-Big 8 member. Special guest here with Ron Kellogg. A all Big Eight member back in uh, his playing days at KU, and going to be back at the Rock Truck Round Ball Classic with the event coming up tomorrow night. 
I, I mean, you were one of the best shooters, one of the best scorers in, in KU basketball history. The, the outburst of 30-point games is, is a very long list for you that we don't always see with other guys. Now, I, I, I don't know if, if uh, this, is, this is true or not, but I, I want to address this story because it's, a, I think, a pretty funny story. The famous Nebraska game where you went for 39 points on 16 of 19 shooting. And, and I would imagine, being a guy who went to high school in Nebraska, there's extra motivation there to begin with. But there's a story out there that you were extra motivated for the game because your ex-girlfriend walked into the arena with her new boyfriend. Is that true for the story? <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much true. Yeah, I, I saw that. But, you know, we're, we're apart for a while. and um, But it was, it was a good motivation to go out there and play as hard as I could. I mean, before that story, um, what really happens when we were flying down, I was on the plane, and I know I was sitting by myself. I fell asleep, and I was just having a dream about um, the game. And when I woke up, Larry, Coach Larry Brown was sitting right next to me. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that the game that, that comes to mind the most when you think back to, like, one of the games that you felt most in the zone or, or the game that you felt, uh, I guess, the hottest shooting the ball? I mean, there's other games, too, where you had insane efficiency and, and high scoring totals. So I don't know if that would be the one or if another one comes to mind. But uh, do you have one that, that kind of sticks out the most to you? Well, that that definitely sticks out the most um, because you know you're going back home playing against your uh, your home state team, and it was a motivation to come back to get a chance to play in front of my family and friends. Um, and I was in a zone, you know. I, I was just focused on my game and uh, trying to run uh, the plays that was called, you know, and, and look for the right shots. Did you ever like keep track of, you know, just in warm-ups or practice, like how many shots you would make in a row or like how many free throws you, you could make in a row? Because I'd imagine for as good of a shooter as you are and, and were, like you could probably find yourself up uh, pretty high up there on, on some of those, you know, I've made 90 straight free throws or something like that. Yes, sir. And, you know, um, what I've always done when I practice, I've always um, worked on shots where, you know, I can't do anything else until I make 10. So my goal is to try to make as many as I can out of 10 shots. And that's where my consistency came from. You know, um, no matter where I was at on the court, I just try to stay focused, same pocket, same shot, and just focus on that target. So where are we at for your game right now? How often are you playing? How good do you feel about your shooting stroke right now? Oh, my goodness, man. I'm still one of the best shooters on earth in KU's <laughs> history. So <laughs> I'm coming with it. Believe me. I'm, I'm, I'm giving it my all. Um, I love playing. I love shooting the basketball. Um, I stay in shape. I ride my Peloton every day, about 15, 20 miles a day. So, you know, I'm in pretty good condition. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, well, we're, we do a uh, points draft every year with some of the guys here at the show and at the station, and we, we just draft guys who are going to be playing in the event, and we just total up whoever gets the most points comes away with the win. So uh, can, we, can we get a three or a couple threes from you in the game? Well, first of all, yes. Um, you know, I never started at the event, and I'm the grandfather of everybody, so everybody should just let Coach get in and start the game, and we're going to go from there. <laughs> Yes, sir. and you, you definitely get more. You can definitely get more than two threes from me. Okay, I love it. I love it. We got the opportunity of you just getting hot from the outside. Um, do you have a favorite story from? You know, I, I want to ask you your favorite for both on the court and maybe off the court. But let's start with the on the court. Whether it is you know a game like that Nebraska game, or if it's you know in practice, uh, do you have a favorite on the court story from your time at KU? 
I do. It was in 1983, Coach Brown's first year. Um, we played in the Big Eight tournament. Um, it was either we won the tournament or we were going to play in the NIT, uh, postseason NIT. And, uh, and if we won the tournament, we were going to go to the um, NCAA against Oklahoma. And I didn't play the whole game. And um, it was a pretty competitive game against Wayne Tisdale and um, Billy Tubbs' team. And Coach Brown, I was so furious on the bench. Coach Brown didn't put me in the game, but he put me in like the last 38 or 45 seconds. And I was so mad, I didn't think about the team. I just went out there and I just started shooting. <laughs> he called a timeout. He called He called a timeout and gathered everybody in and sat me on the bench. He said, Ronnie, we don't play like that. We don't play like that. Now, I'm going to come back to you and you get ready. And um, he put fire in my eyes, brought tears to my eyes, and um, – I, I just went into a zone, and when I came back, I was ready. And I hit the winning shot to win the tournament. <laughs> so that's where the shot – that's where my career got started, 1983, when I hit that shot. Coach Brown called that timeout, and I hit the winning shot, and it was history from there. Well, yeah, you, you spent some time under Ted Owens and then getting Larry Brown taken over there. Um, you know, what, what was he just like as a coach overall? Are you surprised at all that he is still coaching? I just love seeing him out there coaching. He is one of the most best professional coaches out there that you can have. Um, you know, he's precise. He's um, you got to be disciplined. You got to be smart. You got to make smart decisions. And I love seeing him over there coaching at Memphis University. Um, I just think he is one of the best development coaches for players. You know, um, he knows how to get in your mind. He knows how to bring you up. He knows how to bring you down. And and he does it at the right time. He uh, was was known for wearing some unique wardrobes at times. There, there's some pictures that circulate around every now and then with some of his uh, his kind of fun garb that that he was wearing back in the day. Did you and, and the players ever like see him wearing something kind of odd? And you're like, what well, what's Coach wearing today? Well, he was superstitious of what he wore. I, I just know um, before games, uh, the coaching staff they never shaved. They always had their their, their rough beard before the game because they were superstitious. Um, but there's nothing wrong with superstitions. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's a good luck situation for players. Just know that, you know, you got your superstition on your side and just go out there and perform and give the crowd something they're looking for. Do you have a, a favorite Larry Brown story? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I do. This one, um, I remember when Coach Brown, it was his first practice. And this particular woman you're talking about, um, that uh, when I had my best performance in Nebraska, she came and visited me. And we had our first practice, and her, her plane was supposed to fly out that same day. And it was a blizzard. It was a lot of snow. And I had to take her to the airport and come back, and I was 30 minutes late for practice. All the players were out there stretching and doing that, and I snuck in. And I, I sat down, and I stretched, and all I heard was the whistle real loud. Hey, hey, get out of my practice. <laughs> Get out of my practice. <laughs> so I ran to the side, and I thought it was over. <laughs> I stayed there probably about an hour, and then came back and got me. Wow. He, uh, yeah, certainly a character at the head coaching position. Um, so I, I've been asking you for all these favorite different stories. Do you have a, a favorite story from, from your time at KU, maybe off the court, hanging out with teammates, on the road somewhere, or just kind of being around Lawrence, uh, what things were like? back around the campus in, in the, the 1980s. Do you have a favorite story from uh, off the court? Sure. 
Uh, you know, I have some favorite stories. I'm um, just hanging out with the players, um, going out with even going to Don Steak. I remember we always used to go there for our preseason eating, and um, Calvin would always set me up because he's a jokester. He said, Ronnie, put those flies, those french fries under the table, and I, and I would do it. And the next thing I know, it's in the, it's in the ESPN. Or, no, it's in uh, Sports Illustrated saying that <laughs> I'm a little selfish at times. So I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not that kind of person. So Calvin always set me up for some funny stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you certainly got <laughs> You got to play with a, a cast of characters, whether you look at, you know, Calvin Pony Thompson or playing with the great Danny Manning and, and on and on down the list of, of some guys you've uh, you've played with there. How, how often do you guys get to reminisce? And, and was it almost like a, uh, I guess, an opportunity with KU winning the title this year? You know, you hear all these former players saying, yeah, you know, I might not be on the team, but when they win, I win. Like, this is this is for everyone. And, and even if my team didn't win a title, or even if we did, like, we're part of the history here. We're part of the foundation that eventually leads to those next guys who are winning a title. Does, does that feel that extra sense of pride and, and kind of unite some of you guys from, uh, you know, some of your former teams where you're, you're contacting each other and being like, man, how about that team? How about what we did this year? All that kind of stuff. Yes, guaranteed. You know, I keep in touch with Gray Drowling. I get a chance to talk to Danny when he's not too busy. I talk to Calvin Thompson. I've talked to several of my teammates uh, about this year's team and what we thought about it, and uh, we all gave our opinion, and we all had a good feeling that it was going to be a special year, and it turned out to be a, a special year, and we're all thrilled about it, and it was exhilarating to, just to be there and see it actually happen in front of your eyes. I just loved it. Yeah, you got to be there in person. Was there a moment in the game? Like, like did you did you think at halftime KU could still come back and win? And, and was there a moment where you were like, oh, man, they, they're, they're going to do this thing? I had no doubt in my mind they were going to come back and win because that's what we do. We, we're a second-half team. We always have been, and we come back, we fight, and we play together, and they play hard. They made all good shots. They made good plays. They made the right decisions at the right time, man. What a, what a coaching performance for one of the best college coaches on earth. And I'm just happy that he was a part of our staff when I was a senior in college. You know, he was a grad assistant at the time. So I guess our team really helped him make that decision to make that next move to be one of the best coaches on earth. So I'm, I'm so happy that, that he was a part of our staff. I think something that is kind of applicable for, for you, you were obviously on that, that Final Four team in 1986, and then you graduate, you go on and start your professional career, and the team later wins the title two years later in 88 with a lot of guys that you you played with um, together. And we saw that a lot this year with this team that wins the title, the 2020 team that was so good but didn't get a chance to show it in the NCAA tournament because of of COVID, how they felt like this was kind of for them. And you see in the post game, like Devon Dotson, who was on that team, Bill Self gives him a championship hat for you know, kind of the run that leads up. Um, did you feel like a, an, an extra bit of closeness to that 88 team um, that won the title a few years after you left? Of course, of course I do, because I know I was a part of that, that, that group of players. Um, we all worked hard together, you know, and um, we all believed in each other and we played hard. So, um, and I feel the same for this year's team and every team that played at Kansas when, you know, when they running for the the goal that um I feel a part of that that I was I help um build that foundation for the the future players that we have right now so I'm excited no matter what 
I'm curious. I don't. I don't know if if this is something you have on record. Um, I think at Kansas is probably what high 30s, low 40s, maybe something like that. Um, but I don't know in in you know high school or in your professional days or I don't know maybe in grade school or something. Do you know what the most points you've ever scored in a basketball game is? Um, in high school, I scored 47 with no three point line. Okay, <laughs> so and all my shots were deep. Okay, so. It's it's an easy shot for me. I, I love shooting long shots because when I look at that net, all I think about is snap, crackle, pop. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I like to hear. That's my favorite favorite sound. Yeah, uh, special K, the nickname there, but the Rice Krispies with the snap, crackle, pop, and 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 that's something we've talked about a lot with like Bud Stallworth in the past because he averaged, you know, twenty five a game uh, one season for KU, and that was without a three point line, which for you was really unfortunate because it's one thing for Bud without the three point line, um, but that was still you know a decade away from happening. The three point line literally came about the year after nationally in college basketball after you left college. So like what? What do you think, like, would you have gotten to 50 that, that night, for instance, against Nebraska, where you go for 39? Like, would you have got to 50 in some of those games, do you think? Oh, guarantee I would have got to 50 easy. But um, at the same time, I think me and Calvin Thompson both would have got to 50 because we, we were shooting at high numbers. You know, we had good accuracy from the field. You know, Calvin shot, like, um, he shot 50, 56%. Well, the team, as a team, we shot 56% from the field, so I think that's still a record. And Calvin shot a good high, um, 55, somewhere around there, and I think I was like at 53. So I think, yeah, I think we all would have probably had good numbers if we would have three-point line in, in those days. For maybe some young timers never got to see you play, uh, what would you say was like your kind of go-to move? Did you have a an area on the court, or do you now, uh, whether it's a three-point line or in the mid-range somewhere where you feel like you're most automatic? Well, you know, I watch basketball every single day, so I think everywhere I shoot on floor is going to be automatic because that's just the confidence <laughs> I have in myself. <laughs> you set me a good screen, I'm going to make it. But if you don't, I'm going to create my own shot like Stephen Curry. So uh, that's the kind of player I am. Yeah, I think you would have. I mean, you had a great career anyway, but uh, nowadays with the three-point line and the, the pace and space and the, the running gun and everything, I think – uh, you would you would be loving the new era of basketball with uh, the way it goes nowadays. But um, uh, you're in the Rock Truck Round Ball Classic. Like we said, we're, we're hoping we can get some some handful of threes out of you in the event tomorrow night. Um, what keeps bringing you back for this event and, and makes it such a great event for you and, and all your former teammates and stuff to come back to? You know, just raising money for pediatric cancer for the kids, I just think that's something special, something special that Brian Haney, and the staff is doing every year, and then all the players coming back, um, former and, and past professional players, um, and getting an opportunity to hang out with those guys and um, just let them know, like I told Devontae when he was in the three-point shooting contest, when you see in that picture in the paper, I tapped my shirt and said, man, you better go out there and shoot because I'll tell you right now, I don't care how much money you make, you cannot shoot better than me. <laughs> and he went out there and won it, so he proved that he can shoot better than me. So I was pretty excited about that. That's awesome. Well, Ron, uh, we appreciate you hopping on the show here and look forward to seeing you on Thursday night. Have safe travels, man. Thank you so much. You have a blessed day. All right, that was Ron Kellogg. Really enjoyed talking to him. He's He's confident, man. He's confident he's going to give us – Several threes. Um, I was, you know, trying to see if he one or two, but, you know, 
He made it sound like he's going to get double-digit points. He's a confident dude. That's what you expect uh, when you're that good of a shooter. Um, so uh, looking forward to seeing him tomorrow night. And it's always fun seeing some of the, the older guys play in the event, Billy Thomas, Ron Kellogg. And I say Billy Thomas, but he's like a whole decade younger as well. Um, but, you know, those guys, that stroke doesn't go away. They're going to be playing in, in you know, adult rec leagues and stuff for years, as I'm sure they have been, and just continue to knock down shots. So uh, looking forward to seeing Ron Kellogg, and it was cool catching up with him. We are live here at Jefferson's West on Wakarusa. Come on by, 50% of the proceeds. If you let them know you're here for the Round Ball Classic, go to the Round Ball Classic. It's 75-cent wings here at Jefferson's and uh, Rock Shock Round Ball Classic coming up tomorrow. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll be back after this timeout. One hour down, two to go. Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, will join us next. We've got Wayne Simeon and Brett Ballard, who are going to hop on at 4.30, and then we're going to hear from Diedrich Lawson coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek Johnson and joined now by Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks here at Jefferson's West in in, uh, Lawrence here. You can come on out to the Jefferson's over in on uh, Mass Street, or you can come over to the one um, here at uh, Wakarusa. And if you tell them you're here for the Round Ball Classic, 50% of the proceeds are going to go to the Round Ball Classic, and it's 75-cent wing Wednesday, so why would you not come out and uh, add up a bunch of wings for you? Rock Truck Round Ball Classic coming up tomorrow. Um, so we're going to have the coaches joining us here in about 25 minutes or so. Um, you know, Who do you think is going to talk more trash? Is it going to be Brett? Is it going to be Wayne? Well, first off, we should reference that Brett Ballard was the original co-host mm-hmm. of Rock Chalk Sports Talk, yeah, which I'm will be celebrating 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He would tell you that the year he spent with me probably set him back. But 20-year anniversary of this show is T-minus 32 days away. How cool is that? So I'll have to ask him about that. Uh, he came from very humble beginnings, and now he's the head coach of the Ichabods, and uh, I thought he was actually talking some major trash through the Capital Journal earlier this week in an article where he said, when asked, you know, who would outcoach who, he said, well, hey, if, if you gave me two practices, I would absolutely outcoach <laughs> Wade Simeon. And I thought, whoa, that's a little out of character for Brett Ballard because he was never much of a trash talker as a co-host. But keep in mind, these two are former teammates, so it's playful, it's fun, and I think they'll both bring it. Wayne, even though he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, He's got that competitive spirit. He's not just going to take that kind of lip from Brett Ballard and not fire back. So I'm looking forward to this conversation here in about 25 minutes. Yeah, I am too. And, uh, you know, I, I, we, we don't ever see, like, coaches calling plays or running sets. There's a part of me that wonders if, they, if Brett's going to bring a whiteboard. And he's going to – I mean, it's not going to be every time down the court. They're not going to be calling out, like, number two or, you know, horn set or whatever. But, you know, in between timeouts, it would not shock me if Brett Ballard runs up some plays, whether it's to get an alley-oop or get an open corner three or something like that. I mean, think about it. When you get inside the last two minutes, we talked about this last week, how yeah. competitive these guys get. And in the last two minutes, it is a, a stop clock scenario on dead ball, out-of-bounds plays, all that. Coaches do have timeouts if they want to take them. Would not surprise me. The only time there's ever truly been a play drawn up in the 14-year history or 13 years heading into this year was when they tried to reenact Chop and get Mario yeah. a game-winning shot. This probably would have been 2010, 2011 uh, when he was back. And 
as I told you in a recent episode, he missed the three. They ran it to perfection. We even had Sharon like stumble and throw the ball back to him. But he misses the three, and Stephen Vinson, of all unlikely heroes, slips in underneath the uh, basket, comes up with the offensive rebound, and beat the buzzer with the only buzzer-beating game winner in round ball classic history. So that's the only time we've drawn up a play. I'm sure Ballard will try to do something special. But I just can't wait to hear what they have to say about their rosters now that they're finally out and we could decide uh, you know, who got the, the scales tilted in their direction. When we officially drafted these rosters, we thought Darnell Jackson and Mario Chalmers were both coming. They were two late scratches for different reasons. But th- thankfully, one happened on each roster, so there wasn't a huge imbalance losing two guys from one team. But I think from what I've heard initially, they're both okay with the draw they got, but they won't let on about that. They're going to make all kinds of excuses today. Yeah. In case they don't win tomorrow. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty even. I personally, if I had to pick, I think I'm going with the blue team, which I don't know if you knew this, and, and I could only find, uh, I guess, archives numbers on this back to 2016. Now, obviously, you can find the numbers of, you know, Team Stallworth beat Team Thompson or vice versa in what years, but you don't necessarily know which coach coached which team, Crimson team or the blue team. Crimson team has won the last five. And, and again, it could be more than that. It could be six straight or something. <laughs> but at the very least, the Crimson team has won five in a row. I think this is the year the blue team gets it back. I love it. I'm taking you to Vegas. And we're going to go to the roulette tables. And if it's been black five straight times, we're going to no, bet that red. doesn't work. That doesn't that work. That doesn't work? I've okay. tried it before. Okay. I love the statistical research that yeah. you've put into this. Yeah, I went back and, and found all the individual numbers. I actually have, you know, in, in – uh, I guess, honor of RCST trivia, which has become such a big thing that we do here. I actually have some trivia questions, but they're round ball related for you. For me? Based on the number. These are only over the last five uh, round ball games, so obviously not counting the, the 2020 shootout here. We did um, some of this last year, and I told you most years I never get yes, to watch the game because no, exactly. I'm running around. I think you'll know at least, you know, I, I have three questions here. I think okay. you'll know at least one of them. I think you'll know this one, hopefully. Okay, over the last five. Who owns the record for most points scored? doesn't have to be an exact total. Just do you okay. know who owns it? I think we had a similar question last year, and Ben McLemore yeah. was the popular answer. Is that the answer That's still? That's correct. 52 points, did that in 2018. I know there were some big games from like Tyrell Reed and Mario Little, but those must have been in years past where I couldn't find it over the yeah, last Tyrell five. Tyrell hung like 39 on the board mm-hmm. one year. and he's, he's playing this year. Mario's actually flying back to America as we speak. And then he has a 10 a.m. flight tomorrow from Chicago to Lawrence. So hopefully it still works out. a little jet lagged. I I will say this as a peek behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. We had one of our biggest stars, like maybe the biggest star, call me two hours ago. And his flight just flat out got canceled. And so we've got him on another flight. But this is the type of stuff you deal with. And and you, you hold on for dear life and you hope your plans all work out. In a perfect world, you know, we could fly these guys in on Monday, but they don't have that kind of availability. And so, uh, yeah, hopefully everybody makes it. But sometimes it's not a matter of did the player blow it off. It's did American Airlines actually follow through on their flight. And in this case, yes, it's American Airlines that canceled the guy's flight. So hopefully they, uh, they'll get him here tomorrow at 1 p.m. Oh, we got another guy that had a flight delayed. I'm picking him up at the airport at 1.30 a.m. And then what and- time you're going to be getting up at, you know, crack of dawn tomorrow to get ready for the well, event. Hank Booth just asked me to come on at 8 a.m. at KLWN. Okay, I there said, we go. man, I'm going to get Malik Newman in his yeah. hotel by 3 a.m., so can I at least make it 8.30 a.m.? He yeah. said, all right. All right, more trivia. Uh, okay, uh, number two, there are three players who have scored 30 or more in a round ball game in the last five editions, and it's it's happened six times total. Ben did it four individually. Wow. The other two were from two others. Can you name one of the two others? In the last five years? Mm-hmm. 
Because I feel like Tyrell's big yeah, game. Yeah, like you said, Tyrell would have been before that. Further back. Um, Mario Little would have been before that. I think Mario Little might have been in 2015. Okay. So that's, it's, it's one of the other two. One of them is playing this year. Another one is not. Interesting. Okay. That's sec- that that second clue. That yeah, well. give me the. Uh, so 2019, 33 points, and 2018 was 32 points. Okay. Um, 2019 was in Eudora. Yep. That was the first year and only year that we've had Frank Mason in person until this year. He's coming. Uh, so I'm going to guess Frank Mason. That's correct. Okay. He scored 33 in 2019. And then 2018 would have been at Free State, and it's a guy that's not playing this year? Correct. Interesting. Okay. I'm trying to think who's talented enough. Teammate of both of the coaches. What's that? Teammate of both of the coaches in this year's edition. Uh, okay. Interesting. I'm going to go kind of random on this. Uh, I don't know if Kevin Young would have gotten 30. Um, just thinking of guys that aren't going to be here this year. Can you give me any more clues? I, I mean, I, I think that hint should give it to you there, that he was a teammate of the two coaches oh, I'm for sorry. this edition. Yeah, he was yeah. a teammate. Yes, yes. Okay, I'll say Keith Langford. That is correct. Okay. Keith scored 32 points in 2018. All right, you're three for three so far. There you go. You're perfect. But, yeah, Ben has the most, 52, over the last five. His second most, 42. The third most, 38. And then you go to Frank at 33, and then Keith and uh, Ben are tied the next most at 32. Um, okay, next question. This is the final one I got. Among round ball returners, so members who are playing this year, uh, Frank Mason's the leader in points per game, 33 per game, because just the 33 and the one. Second for points per game among returners is 19. Do you really? know who that would be? Okay. Um, and I'll give you this hint. He is. He might have played in four, but I only have dad on him playing in three. So he played in 2017, 2019, and 2021. I don't know if 2018 he was nursing an injury or maybe just couldn't make it. But he's playing in this year's edition as well. Okay. Playing in this year's edition. And he is a guard. And he's a guard. Okay. Usually the, the guards score well in this game. Yeah, it always a lot of me up. You have Cole Aldridge. He'll grab like three offensive rebounds. And every time he could just turn and dunk it. But he's kicking it out trying to get an open three. Okay. Uh and he, and he here, played in 2021. I, so I'm, I'm thinking about Tyshawn Taylor as a possibility. Uh, what were the years he played again? He played in 2017, 2019, and 2021. Did not play in 2016 or 2018. Again, he might have been there. He just didn't record any points those games. Interesting. Okay. I'll go with Tyrell Reed. You had it at first with Tyshawn. Uh, Tyshawn. Always Tyshawn. go with your first instinct, kids. I know. You're filling Taylor. out the standardized tests with your number two pencil. Yep. Always go with your first instinct. Don't second guess. And if you do have to guess, guess C. Um, <laughs> the, this would be the bonus points one. I mean, I, I don't know if you'd get this one, but uh, for the third most points, so it goes Frank one, Tyshawn two for points per game. Third is actually Mario Little. Okay. There's the fun one. Yeah. There. People don't realize that. It, it's oh. funny. Much like college football bowl games where it comes down to who wants to be there mm-hmm. in terms of who wins in December. Some teams have mailed it in. They don't care. Other teams are all about it. Some of these guys, like Mario Little, come back and they're like, I want to put on a show. I, I didn't get 20 shots a game when I played for Bill Self, but I'm playing professionally overseas, and this is my chance to show I still got hops. And so they light it up. Yeah, And, and Mario Little was like, I think that's a perfect example. Like, players, I think sometimes we think of, okay, they're done with college and they're not in the NBA. That's just who they are. Like, these guys get better in their pros as well. And, and Little has been someone who I've seen a lot, whether it's been 
you know, you just see what he's doing in, in Europe or you see what he's doing in, like, he'll play in the basketball tournament every now and then that goes on in the summer. He'll put up 15, 20 a game. Uh, and, uh, you know, he came in number one JUCO player in the country, comes in and he's just on a loaded team and you're asked to play a specific role where, like you said, you're, you're not taking all those shots and you still have all the talent in the world. And I think that also just kind of echoes how talented some of those teams he was on. You, you oh, know, no when doubt. you're only averaging a handful of points and, and you're kind of a role player there, but just... It's just so deep and, and talented that, you know, you couldn't really afford to do so. Um, the other stat that I was kind of looking at was coaches' all-time wins. Bud has five all-time yeah. for wins. Um, or that might be six. Um, but I, the second most is, is Pony. He's got three of them. And I don't know. Like, do you think anybody's going to ever touch that record? Do you think <laughs> we're going to get to that point? Or, or are we at a kind of a point now where it's kind of a rotating coach system? I think this. I think that's... In the not-too-distant future, we're going to name the trophy after Bud Stallworth mm-hmm. because he was instrumental as a former Rock Chalk Sports Talk host being our first consistent every-year head coach, and that's part of why he has the most wins. But there was a time when he rattled off like four in a row, and we thought he was untouchable, and we relived the moment last week on the show about him having the sudden-death free-throw shoot-off at the end of a game with Scott Pollard, draining the free-throw and then holding the follow-through as he swagtastically walked across the floor and out the building. One of the coolest moments ever. But Bud is uh, he's living part-time in St. Louis, part-time in Lawrence. His lovely wife, Robin, has been with him. And because of the pandemic and, and, and some stuff, they're, they're having to stay away from you know big crowds and that kind of thing. And so he can't be with us. And if that remains the case, uh, and he's coached his last round ball classic, then we're going to name the trophy after the guy. Maybe eventually somebody does get more than five wins if B. Bow keeps coming back each year or Wayne Simeon does. But Bud was the original great round ball coach, and he embraced the fact that he was winning a lot of these years, and he would talk trash about it. Nobody's ever going to touch me. And then Calvin Thompson kind of slipped under the radar with three wins in a four-year span. And so, uh, But Bud's the original guy. And uh, as we talked about, one of the all-time great co-hosts of this show, I'll never forget, he, he would just stroll in every day, and I used, to call, I used to call him the ladies' man, because not because he was flirty with girls, but he sounded like Tim Meadows' Saturday Night Live character, the ladies' man. He'd be like, hey there, Brian. How we doing, Brian? I think the Jayhawks are going to win today, Brian. And, and he just had this, he just oozed charisma and swagger, and every day his white SUV would come barreling around, 6th Street by Sonic and pull into the studios as the open to the show's playing. Much like Bill Self, who shows up with presents mm-hmm. two minutes late to Hawk Talk. <laughs> Here comes Bud walking in as, as the open's playing, and he'd just slide in his chair, turn on the microphone, and he was radio gold for all those years. So I hate it that he can't be with us this year. Calvin very graciously stepped down from his head coaching role once we knew Bud wasn't going to be able to come back, and we decided let's freshen it up. And those are the guys you're going to get to hear from in about 10 minutes here. Wayne Simeon and Brett Ballard, the new head coaches. And I would imagine if Brett can work it out with his Washburn basketball camp schedule, he'll embrace this role and do it every year. And uh, yeah, These are also two guys that hosted this show. Isn't that interesting? Wayne had a, a year-long stint, much like Brett Ballard did. So the Rock Chalk Sports Talk seat that you sit in, Derek, has certainly had some, some very talented guys in that chair. I was going to say, if we're doing a uh, Rock Chalk Sports Talk, you know, basketball team or basketball draft um we're not going very high i'll tell you that much (laughs) um we do our points draft we'll do that tomorrow with you know some of the people back at klwn and it's whoever ends up with the most points and i'm gonna just give you this you can keep that with stats or whatever um 
if you were putting together, you know, what you would think of for, you know, your first round pick or something like that, who jumps off the page to you as guys that you think could be in line to put on a show in terms of points tomorrow? Well, great question. Hang on one second. Coach Leipold's texting. Yeah, you're good. Well, because I just, I just think that that, that's not being name dropped. By the way, I'm promoting the fact that Lance is going to be involved tomorrow. Right? It's just a matter of which event is he coming to and for how long. (laughs) Okay. But uh, thank you, Coach. He has been as supportive as anybody could be for a charitable basketball themed event. Here he is, the football coach, saying, "How do Kelly and I Mm -hmm. contribute?" That's the type of guy he is. That's That's awesome. So, um, you know, tomorrow again, I think it comes down to motivation. I don't think Devontae's going to try to go out there and score forty. I don't think Svee's going to try to go out and yeah. score 40. They'll try to score 10, 15, hit some yeah. deep threes. I'd tell you who I would have picked had he not recently tweaked a, a slight knee injury is Malik Newman. Mm. I think he would have had the motivation. and You know, first time back, he's going to ball out, show out, all that. But the guy that I think might have that motivation, if Wayne Selden will let him shoot enough, is Devon Dotson. Okay. I could see Devon really wanting to put on a show and having, you know, he's a guy that's obviously been up with the Bulls for a handful of games each of the last two years, but mostly with the Windy City G League team. And I, I could see him having the motivation. I could see Selden too. But on that particular team, since Fee will probably get his 20 but not go off for 40, and Malik is, is probably going to be on, on a minutes cap if he plays at all, I'm going to go Devon Dotson with a narrow second place to Wayne Selden. And on the other side, I'd probably pick Frank over Devontae just because I think Devontae, while he'll get 18 to 24 points, he doesn't have the motivation to go hang 40. He's going to play it up to the fans. When we get a kid on the floor, he's going to be the guy that's picking the kid up to score a basket. That's just the kind of personality that Devontae is. But if Tyshawn gets a chance to post numbers, he'll post numbers. We just talked about that. But give me Dotson and Selden as maybe the two most motivated guys, and they're both on the red team. Well, funny you bring the uh, idea of a kid in the stands coming out. and I, I don't know. This is just like a recent trend. We didn't get it last year because of COVID. Um, kids from the stands have scored a total of 16 points, which is 22nd all time in round ball history. <laughs> so uh, they've had good amount of success coming out of the bench. My guy, like, I'm curious to see what Diedrich Lawson does. We're going to have him on the show coming up here in like an hour. Um, you know, he's a guy, big man, he can shoot threes, like that goes well for this event. I can see his brother, KJ, you know, wanting to prove something and, sure. and putting up big buckets as well. Now, you, you never know how much these guys are going to play, how much right. they're getting ready or just came back from a pro season, what the coach wants to do with them and all those things. But, like, Diedrich, I mean, it gets lost in the shuffle a little because of the fact the season ended in the second round and didn't go as, as I think they would have hoped. But, I mean, he averaged 19 and 11 yeah. at Kansas. Like, he was, he was putting up big numbers. And – you know, while there are some talented bigs that might stand in between him and the basket, most notably Greg Ostertag on the red team or Jeff Graves. He's got Cole on his team, though. He has Cole. The one-two and, punch. And there just isn't a lot of real intense defense played. So he gets the ball in, in that, you know, 12 feet and in range. He's going to eat. All right. He's, he's going to feast. And uh, I, I could see him absolutely posting 20. But. I would also qualify that by saying typically this game is about three-pointers and dunks, and we don't usually feature no, them on the block and in the paint big man, but maybe this is going to shoot a lot of threes. Yeah. I think he's, I mean, 40% almost in his uh, time at KU, so uh, we'll wait and see how that goes. Now, um, we have, what, one football player, Brandon McAnderson? Is there another Yeah, we were supposed here? to have Derek Fine, and then his okay. schedule changed, and, and Todd Reason couldn't fly in this year. 
We uh, we used to spend money on football player flights. We've flown in Reising, and uh, we've flown in Desmond Briscoe. Desmond did Briscoe, really well. Kerry Meyer. Yeah. Uh, this year the schedules just didn't work out, and uh, Daryl Stuckey will be there as a coach. David Lawrence as a coach, but in terms of actual football talent, Brandon's the only one playing. So that's disappointing, but. We'll, uh, we'll make up for it with some of these other basketball first-timers that you really want well, to no, see. Well, no, I just I, I want to see BMAC move up the career leaderboard for, for football players. Desmond Briscoe owns the record. He's got five points <laughs> for football players. BMAC got his first two last year. So if we can get BMAC going He's only scored two? Well, at least in the last five years. Okay. That's all the numbers I okay. got here. Um, wow. he the I'm, I'm going to give year. him so much grief for that. Oh, I will tomorrow. We're going to talk to him tomorrow. So, okay. Uh, you need to get Christian Moody on, too, because yeah? Mad Dog Moody uh, – he hit me up for six tickets today. Okay. And I, I said, Christian, you're not going to play six minutes. You want six <laughs> tickets? Like we had a, you know, and he's a, such a good guy. I'm, I'm being playful right, here. Right. He's such a good guy. So I tell you what, because most guys, we comp him four tickets. I said, I'll give you six tickets if you give me six points. Mm. But anything less than six points, you're paying for that number I of love tickets. It. I love so he said, deal. So you see if Mad Dog Moody starts chucking up three. Yeah, tomorrow. he's going to be shot hunting. Do you, you're pretty young. Points draft. You were pretty young, mm-hmm. but I'm sure the astute basketball fan that you were. Do you remember his biggest claim to fame, Christian Moody? Uh, I remember. I can't. Was it Billy Packer? Yes, I think it was. Okay, yeah, it was Billy Packer. Said he's he's the greatest walk on and of all time. Know, yeah. Which is anywhere high praise. Which I, I don't know how you check that because I don't know how you go back to like no. 1950 and go, you know, this guy's a walk on, this guy's right. on scholarship. But sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. So yeah, see if he gets six or more tomorrow. Okay. Otherwise, he's got to buy his tickets. Okay, I love it. He's Brian Haney. We are going to take a time out here. We're live at Jefferson's West. When we come back, we're going to hear from the two coaches of this event: Wayne Simeon, Big Dub, Brett Ballard, both former of RCST fame, but you probably know him from other stuff more than that. He is Brian Haney. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM. 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Half past the hour, we're live here at Jefferson's West over on Wakarusa. If you come on out to this Jefferson's or the one downtown, 50% of the proceeds, if you let them know, are going to go to the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. And now we're joined by the two head coaches, Wayne Simeon and Brett Ballard, will be uh, the coaches for tomorrow night's action. 7 o'clock, you can hear it on KLWN, but go get your tickets to come on out to the game. And I think Brian actually has some tickets that you can come on by and buy here at Jefferson's if you haven't gotten them yet. Um, so, guys, thanks for joining me today. Um, Wayne, how you feeling? And then uh, we'll get to Brett here in a second. But, Wayne, how you feeling headed into the uh, round ball tomorrow? Yeah, I feel, I feel great. I'm excited to be a part of uh, such... Uh, an important occasion not only to bring uh, the Kansas Basketball Brotherhood back to Lawrence, but to really impact uh, some lives and some families going through some difficult things. Uh, make sure you use the phrase head coach very, very loosely. Because um, I'm more of a fan and a former player coming back than a head coach, that's for sure. Well, Brett, you, you do have head coaching experience. You've done some great things over at Washburn. Um, do you feel like you have the, the coaching edge here over your former teammate? Uh, I don't know about that. The, the, uh, Wayne, Wayne has more um, head coaching experience here the last couple of months because he coaches, he coaches some AAU ball. He actually coaches one of my sons, and I haven't coached a game since, you know, the beginning of March. So 
I feel like I may be a little rusty, uh, but Wayne, Wayne said it right. I, I don't know that there'll be a whole lot of coaching going on. Um, you know, we'll sub some guys in and out and uh, and let the let these young guys do their thing. Uh, but it, it's a it, it'll be fun, um, like Wayne said. Too. I, it's such an incredible event. Brian Haney's done an amazing job with this, and uh, you know you, you know it's a you know it's a, a special deal. But then when you get around those families and you get to see those kids who have been impacted by this, it's uh, it's something that pulls at your heartstrings. And uh, to be to be able to be a part of this and 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 have, have Kansas basketball involved, uh, you know it's it's a cool experience. Well, both of you guys are uh, former RCST, I guess, alums, alumni to uh, the show here. That's got to be the biggest help to, to being a head coach in this, right? Like among everything you guys have accomplished, whether it's coaching, all that, like that, that has to be the most prominent, right? Oh, for sure. Well, no, I don't, like, you know, it gave us an edge on how, how to handle the media after uh, after the game. The, the hard-hitting media questions, we'll be, we'll be prepared for those. Uh, Wayne, yeah. you, you, you just – oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, um, I agree with what, what Brett said there. And, uh, you know, I certainly had some great laughs in, in studio with, uh, with Brian, uh, with Bud. I do miss the, the free cherry limeades that they used to run over from Sonic uh, on a daily basis. That's actually how, how they used to pay me back in the day. My, my, my prices are, are a little bit higher now. But uh, I do have some fond memories uh, of my time on the show. Well, uh, Wayne, you were a teammate with Brett. You were a youngster, and Brett was kind of the older guy, uh, the veteran on the team, when, when you guys were, were together at KU under Roy Williams. Um, so you've seen his game. You've seen enough there. If this goes into a shootout like our, I forget what year it was, early 2010, something like that, where we had a tie game at the end of regulation, and we had to have the two head coaches between Scott Pollard and Bud Stallworth uh, face off in a free throw shootout, and it was Bud Stallworth hitting the free throw, Scott Pollard clanking away the free throw. If you had to go head-to-head in the free throw shooting contest, do you feel good about where you'd be at with your stroke? I do, as long as we keep it around the free throw line. If we try to extend it out uh, anywhere beyond 15 feet, uh, Brett Ballard uh, certainly has the advantage there. Um, but he has been in tight late-game situations throughout his coaching career. Uh, I've seen it in his own kids. There, there, there definitely is a clutch gene in that family lineage. So uh, it'll, be, it'll go down to the wire for sure. Well, Brett, what about you? Are you keeping in shape? I mean, does, does getting to coach on an everyday basis, do you put up shots every now and then, or are you not playing as much ball anymore? I, I don't play much anymore. I'll shoot a little bit here and there. But what I think it should be, if it comes down to that, I think it should be a 12-minute run. Uh, I think that uh, <laughs> when we were with Coach Williams, our, our, our conditioning test, uh, at the beginning of the year we had to run a 12-minute run, and um, – I, I, I was not an elite athlete by any stretch of the imagination, but that was uh, an area where I could I, I had a little advantage. I'd, I'd run some cross country and, and, and track in my life, and um, I know Wayne works out every day, and and he's still in pretty physical good physical shape. But I feel like I might be able to get him in the twelve minute run. That would probably be my, my best uh, opportunity. I don't know how much fun that'd be for the fans to watch us watch, run around the gym for twelve minutes. But I feel like that that would be that would get my vote as as the tiebreaker uh, if, if it comes down to that. 
you know, we'll just get everyone out and we'll go over to the track right across the street over at Free State High School and uh, <laughs> yeah, see who exactly. can log the most distance, most mileage there. Um, so I, I don't know if, if you guys have had a chance to look through your roster and, and kind of game plan for everything. Wayne, I'll start with you. You're coaching the, uh, the Crimson side of things, which – I don't know if you've won this or, or knew this, but the uh, Crimson side has won five straight games. So a little bit of extra pressure on you. Are you going to uh, try to get Yudoka Azubuke to play for you? No, I'm certainly not going to talk Yudoka uh, into <laughs> it. And, uh, man, I think people just really need to understand when you look at the roster, you know, the, the first thing shouldn't be who's going to win red or blue, but it should be in a real appreciation uh, for these guys, uh, a lot who are still playing professionally, you know, the type of effort that they're making to come back to be a part of this special event. I mean, the off-season for these guys is so short. The uh, the pool and the strain on their on their schedules is so high. You know, for them to, to make an effort, a guy like Doak and Devontae and Spee and Perry, uh, those guys, uh, to make an effort to get back here is really, really impressive. Roster-wise, um, no game plan for me. Whoever's hungry and wants to get out there and compete, um, I'm going to make sure that Greg Ostertag sitting up close to the bench so I can just <laughs> sit next to him. We can talk about where we're going to go fishing uh, in the next couple of days. And so I think that's what I'm, I'm looking forward to. <laughs> Man, if you have Greg on your side, you can go noodling or something. That guy can pull out one of those big catfish. I think he'll be uh, just fine there. <laughs> Um, so, Wayne, do you have any idea uh, what your, your starting five is going to be? Do you have any idea how you're going to kind of schematically approach these, this thing or, or who's going to be kind of your go-to guy uh, on this team? Yeah, you know, I think that really just kind of takes care of itself. Um, you know, as we've all seen, not only a lot of these round ball uh, classic scenarios, but also just in most basketball all-star type games, uh, it's, it's pretty fun and pretty casual, pretty lighthearted. Uh, until it gets down to about the last six to four minutes. Uh, and then the guys that really, really want to get after it are the ones that, uh, that step up there uh, and really want to compete hard. And so uh, for some guys, a win is walking off the court, not limping on, off the court. And for others, they, they, they want to have the, the, the score uh, in their favor at the end. And so we've got to differentiate between which, which one of those guys are which. Brett, I know you said this is more of just a, you know, roll the ball out there and, and let them go at it, but will there be any play calls, any sets, whether it's in between a timeout or at the end of half coming out um, of the halftime break or something like that that you plan on imploring to try to uh, get some easy points? I hope not. I guess if you count, you know, telling the guys to get out of the way and let Devontae Graham go get a bucket or, or get out of the way and let Frank Mason go get a bucket, uh, I guess if you count that as a – as a play call, then, 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 you know, maybe that's about all I'll do. But I do, you know, I think uh, hopefully these things, these guys are going to go out there and have fun. You know, they are kind of cool. If it's close towards the end, sometimes that can make it fun. And then those guys maybe hook up a little bit the last four or five minutes of the game, like Wayne said, and, uh, you know, get a little competitive out there. That, 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 can, that can make it, you know, it's going to be great regardless, but that can make it even better. Um, and I do want to put this out there just because I don't want Wayne to steal this. My, my team has adopted the mantra, just load the wagons. Uh, I kind of thought about that up, up, thought that up on my own a little bit, and, and I just kind of came up with that out of the blue. And, and so we are using that as our mantra. Nobody believes in us. Just load the wagon type of type of mantra. I just want to make sure that Wayne doesn't try to take that uh, before, before tomorrow night. 
Well, I love that. And, and like I said, you said, uh, you know, <laughs> we're playing with the chip on our shoulder. Um, yes. Your blue team has lost five in a row. You haven't been a part of that. None of that is your fault. But nobody you know, believes you have that exactly. chip on your shoulder. Exactly. Nobody, exactly. Nobody thinks we're going to go out there and win. We're, we're just trying to shock the world. And, uh, you know, we're, we're clearly the underdogs. Uh, and uh, we're just going to go out there and see if we can, you know, hang around with, with Coach Simeon. They, they loaded his team up clearly. And, uh, we got our work cut out for us, but uh, it, sh- it should be fun. So you're already making the excuses in case you lose. The other team was too loaded. <laughs> you, have, you have some guys, though. Frank Mason, Devontae, Diedrich Lawson. Who do you kind of vis- envision being your, your kind of go-to guy, and do you have any idea what you're going to do with a starting five? No, I, I, li- I like my team, man. We got some, we got some I mean, Frank's a stud and Devontae and, and, and uh, Diedrich's obviously still playing, and so – It'll be fun. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure usually the younger guys, like Wayne said, it's usually the younger guys that, that want to play a little more and, and take over late. And, you know, whether it's Devontae or Frank, we'll see. And, and you know, Tyshawn still stays in safe and still plays. So Tyshawn, I'm sure, will be able to make plays for us. Big, big Cole Aldridge, we're going to need him to, to fill up some, some space in the middle. I don't know how much Cole is still playing. I, I see on Instagram and social media he, he rides his bike a bunch. So I feel like uh, big fella can give us some solid minutes and hopefully get up and down a little bit. But, uh It'll be, it'll be good. Regardless, it'll be good, and, and I know those guys will have fun with it. Okay. Uh, well, I have heard uh, that, I don't know, uh, you two were pretty competitive. You're, you're obviously former teammates, and um, I would imagine for something like this, you know, obviously this is all for a good cause, but do you guys have any, like, side bets with this, whether it's, you know, just something fun you have to do or, or maybe a little coin on the line here between the two of you guys? Um, I'll let Wayne answer this first, and then Brett can respond. Uh, is there anything up for grabs just between you two internally here tomorrow? Yeah, it's got a, got a lunch or a dinner, um, you know, on it. You know, Brett and I, we, you know, living in close proximity, being former teammates, you know, our families are connected uh, through our kids and, and sports. And so, um, you know, we'll, we'll end up going on a double date either here in Lawrence or Topeka uh, with, with our amazing wives. And uh, either way, that, that sounds like a, a win-win. Um, but, but there'll certainly be a little bit of com- competitive banner and, and, and jawing going on that, that will far surpass just the uh, the time of the, of the game. I'm sure it'll, it'll leak into uh, – into, into the fall and the winter as well. Brett, yeah, for uh, sure. It'll be, it'll, on, be on yeah. it'll be fun. It'll be fun. We'll hopefully, um, we'll hopefully, uh, yeah, get, get a lunch. We, we got, we got a little lunch bet on it. I really, truly, I, I, I would, lunch would be great, but Wayne is a, an, an excellent fisher and I know he's got, you know, he's going to catch some catfish this summer, and I love catfish. And so what I'd really like is, is, is if we could somehow, my team could somehow get a win that, that, that you know, I could get some of those catfish from Wayne. But uh, we'll see what happens. I can't, I can't get into a financial bet with him now that Wayne's, a, you know, an administrator at KU. I know what those guys make. I'm not in the same, <laughs> not in the same tax bracket as him anymore. So that, that's out. I just got to do a little lunch or something that I can afford. <laughs> Uh, well, Wayne, uh, what do you think is gonna gonna happen more? Do you think uh, you know catfish caught over the course of this summer, or points you win by tomorrow night? Uh, you know the fish, fish caught. If he's won that, that's gonna that's gonna up the ante a little bit. That's more work on my part than just uh, <laughs> uh, to a server. Um, you know, I, if we would up the ante, I, I'd like to. To run it back to a dinner at a Don Steakhouse, but man, moment of silence. <laughs> Don Steakhouse no longer exists. 
that's actually the place where we used to have our pregame meals uh, and take the recruits when, when Brett and I were both uh, at, uh, at KU. So we'll have to find a nice spot uh, there in Topeka, um, and we can get it. We can get it. Uh, get it executed. All right. Well, last thing I got for both of you guys, Brett. Who is the player on Wayne's team that worries you the most? Uh, I would probably say Devon. Uh, you know, he's he's still playing, and 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 Devon's a heck of a player, and and um, so you know, I think Devon Devon's tough. He's obviously uh, still playing, and. And really good in the league, so I go between one of those two guys, V and Devon. Um, but, uh, but 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 overall, man, it's just cool to have all these guys back. It just it's just you know, I didn't play with all these guys. Certainly didn't coach all these guys. Certainly, but uh, man, just to feel part of this and and when the team won the championship this year, to feel connected and that's what it's about at Kansas. You're part of something bigger than yourself. So, it'd be really cool to ground all these guys again. Wayne, uh, anybody on on? Brett's team that sticks out to you the most that, that you're most worried about what he can do to your defense? Well, I mean, it really depends, um, you know, for the guy that I'm thinking about because if, if I see Cole Aldridge with one of his uh, front teeth missing, I'm, I'm concerned about that because when he takes out that he got it front fixed. Teeth, uh, he, go, he goes into a different level. Uh, you know, he taps into a, you know, a different <laughs> uh, offensively and defensively. And so Hopefully he'll keep both in and, and be Mr. Nice Guy and, you know, just want to wave to the fans. But uh, he, he can turn it on. And, you know, one thing that's really cool about this occasion as well is, you know, a lot of people have been so excited about the national championship as they should. But a lot of times it's eclipsed uh, an equally important occurrence that happened with KU becoming the winningest program in college basketball history. And I love that we can all come together, you know, on this occasion, you know, to support uh, an amazing cause. But if you think about the different errors that are going to rep- be represented there, all of those guys, every guy on that court, every coach on the bench uh, has had an opportunity to put their fingerprint on the program and to help us to achieve that, um, such, a, such an impressive, impressive uh, you know, award. And so hopefully we can, we can celebrate that as well. Well, Wayne, I got good news for you. Cole got his tooth fixed earlier this year, so uh, he might, you know, not want to get in the the tough stuff as much. He might not want to risk having the tooth knocked out again. So, that could be good for you guys down low. Brett, man, isn't that isn't that just cool to show you how the money changes you, man? I was hoping the Cole would have kept that thing, you know, <laughs> loose and in and out, you know. The, Cole's the getting tough. So I'm have to talk to him. Forgetting about we're gonna have from, a conversation. Man. I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna get that corrected before the game. We're gonna have. A, I'm gonna give him out. I'm gonna order him a mouthpiece for the game, and and uh, we gotta get have him down there doing some dirty work. Big fellow's got to get after it. Well, guys, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day and hopping on here, and we look forward to seeing you guys tomorrow night at the Round Ball, and good luck to both of you. All right, thank you. Thanks for having us on. Uh, thanks, guys. Rock Chalk. That's Wayne Simeon. That's Brett Ballard. They're going to be the coaches tomorrow night's game. Looking forward to the action. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We'll be back at Jefferson's West after this timeout here on KLWN, depending on it. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. 
Welcome back in. Five o'clock hour. We're out live at Jefferson's West over on Wakarusa and people getting off work now. And now's the time to come on by, stop by. And guess what? I have myself two tickets to the Rock Truck Round Ball Classic. I'm not just telling you that because I'm bragging about going to the Rock Truck Round Ball Classic. I'm telling you that because I'm giving away the two tickets. So uh, first person who comes by, we've had some great guests on today's show and, and some great guests who are also former KU basketball players. And we're going to have another one with Diedrich Lawson coming up here in 15 minutes. So between uh, all the guests today, we've had four former KU basketball players on the show. Ron Kellogg, Diedrich Lawson, Wayne Simeon, and Brett Ballard. First person to come by, and you can come by, you get a free RCST trivia t-shirt or whatever else. 50% of the proceeds here are going to go to the Round Ball Classic. First person to come on by and tell me their favorite game or favorite memory or favorite story, whatever you want about any of those four players. You pick which one. You just tell me and, and come on by and be like, I love that he averaged X amount of points per game. I'm giving you the two free tickets. That's simple. To go on out to the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic tomorrow. So uh, come on by Jefferson's West. We're going to hook you up with a pair of free tickets to the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. And like we said, we have other stuff to give away. We have some T-shirts. We have tickets to other events. We have some koozies to give away. RCST Trivia T-shirts, which you could only get if you won a first-round game. But this is your chance to get one even without winning a first-round game in RCST Trivia. Again, we're at Jefferson's West. Going to be here till 6 o'clock. Come on out whenever, though, because 50% of the proceeds go to the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. I uh, wanted to make mention of this, KU commit Taylor Davis. He committed to KU, uh, I think, yesterday, two days ago. He was unrated on 24-7 sports. He became the first class of 2023 commit for the KU football team. He got his rating today, came in as a 86, which um, is a pretty good rating there. He's actually the 64th-ranked safety nationally and the 121st-ranked rising senior in Texas. So pretty good numbers there for Taylor Davis, the first and currently lone commit for the class of 2023 for KU football. Wanted to get to a, another one of the recipients, and this is our fifth and final recipient that we're going to get to. That would be John Foster. He is a one-year-old from Edgerton, Kansas. He has been battling illness most of his life. He was initially fighting hand, foot, and mouth disease. He had COVID-19, um, two illnesses that covered the bigger underlying issue, which was a mass in the area by his spine and aorta. The uh, mass was discovered after a complication during an endoscopy Surgery was required to stop some unexpected bleeding that happened due to taking a tissue sample from his small intestine, which led to him spending five days in the PICU uh, with his abdomen open, covered by a silo, waiting for a swelling hematoma to go down. And then a few days after they safely closed him up, the doctors discovered the mass, as well as the lesions on his spine and a collection of cancer cells in his left femur. And then on January 7th of this year, John was officially diagnosed with neuroblastoma. Um, since his diagnosis, he's had four chemotherapy treatments that have shrunk his tumor by 60%. He's set for surgery to remove the tumor um, pretty pretty soon. And uh, after recovering from that, he'll have a bone marrow transplant, radiation, and finally a post-consolidation cycle of chemo. So the estimated length of his cancer treatment is 18 months, which you know, you're talking about for him, that's doubling his life is going to be from cancer treatments. So uh, please be thinking of John and his family. And again, look forward to seeing them at the Rock Truck Round Ball Classic and hoping that uh, we can raise a good amount of money and a good amount of funds for him, his family, and all the different families that are a part of this thing for the Round Ball Classic, which, again, you can do partially by coming out here. 75-cent wings here on your Wednesday. Come on out. 50% of the proceeds go to those families as part of the Rock Truck Round Ball Classic. We uh, mentioned yesterday that quote that 
Millsself gave C.J. Moore of The Athletic about, you know, playing M.J. Rice and Grady Dick, and, and Rice seemed to look really good at that, that scrimmage earlier today, um, playing along with one of the freshman bigs that, you know, as part of that, it also means that if you have Dewan Harris, Jalen Wilson, Kevin McCuller, who all three of those guys you look at and, and probably say, yeah, they're maybe less in the case of McCuller because you are still a newcomer, but I kind of look at all three of those guys as locks to start and locks to be a part of the rotation. Same thing with Grady Dick and MJ Rice. I mean, Bill Self said it himself, C.J. Moore. Those guys you expect to play a good amount of minutes. That's five guys right off the bat that you're kind of looking at there um, as being a part of the rotation. And then you're talking Zach Clements. You're talking one of the freshman centers. You're at seven guys already with a uh, Bill Self rotation that, you know, usually only plays seven to eight guys in the month of March come NCAA tournament time and maybe only plays eight to ten during the regular season and more often it's it's really eight to nine but there have been teams that maybe play closer to 10 we kind of thought this past year's team coming into the year was going to be one of those turned out that was very much not the case it was a uh, very limited rotation even early on you could tell it was only six seven maybe eight guys uh, on a given way of things but again dewan mcculler grady dick mj rice jalen wilson zach clements one of the freshman centers which is what bill self said certainly one of the freshman centers are going to play that's that's seven right there right that is that's seven guys as part of the rotation that that's where it becomes difficult in trying to figure this out because it's so easy to go down the roster and say this guy's so talented or you know this guy comes in with x production from his previous stop or you know i I really think this guy could be in for a big year and he showed this or that last year but it's, it's just impossible to, to really figure out who is going to make the cut at some of those rotation spots. Um, and even from, like, a camp scrimmage today, like, it's easy to point to that and say, okay, all those guys I mentioned, I didn't mention a backup point guard. You know, clearly it'll be Joe Yesifu now. He had 30 points earlier today. He looked great. The shot looked great. Okay, but it also could be Bobby Pettiford. He didn't play today, and it's also just a camp scrimmage. I, I don't know, maybe it's both those guys. Maybe both those guys get part of the rotation. But the point there being is that if I just named seven guys, that basically means that you're only going to have one more at most, maybe two more, maybe three more, just in terms of uh, during the regular season, but realistically one to two more. So of the names I didn't mention there, didn't mention K.J. Adams, didn't mention Cam Martin, didn't mention the other freshman center, because you have the one who would make it, but you don't have the other. Um then you have Kyle Cuff, you have Bobby Pettiford, you have Joe Yesifu. I mean, only one of those guys is going to be in the crunch time lineup. Like, think about that um, as far as making it down to March or something like that. And, you know, only up to, I don't know, two or three could be in the regular season rotation, meaning that you have to essentially pluck three or four of those names to say they're only going to play spot minutes here or there. If there's an injury or something, like yesterday we did our Kevin McCuller deep dive, and that was one thing we talked about. We talked about the idea that um, 
past years, Kevin McCullough has had to deal with injury stuff. He played 29 games, had the two injured ankles this past season. He played 20 games the year before, had a leg injury in high school. So, like, injuries do happen. That's just part of the game, and it absolutely could happen to this team. That that factors in and allows certain guys to maybe play in games that they otherwise wouldn't or to balloon up their, their minutes. Uh, like, for instance, Joe Yesifu. Joe Yesifu's games played and, and minutes played and minutes per game, at the end of the year, they, they go up from what they normally would have been if you were just playing a video game and saying he's only going to get X amount of minutes. But once you have a, you know, injury happen, that leads to some more minutes there. But um, I guess the point is here, basically make your decision of who you want to pick between that group. I mean, unless you disagree the fact that between Dewan Harris, Kevin McCuller, Grady Dick, MJ Rice, Jalen Wilson, Zach Clements, and one of the freshman centers, if you disagree that one of those guys will not be part of the rotation, then yeah, you can add more guys who you want to make a part of it. But um, I guess the only guys that you could really have a disagreement on would be, do you think one of the other centers will be ahead of Zach Clements? I think he's going to at least be one of the two. Um, and then, again, if you want to say, oh, it won't be one of the freshman centers, it'll be Clements and Cam Martin. But again, Bill Self literally just said to C.J. Moore, uh, one of the two freshman centers certainly would be in the rotation. So um, and I guess Ernest Uday looked really good at the – the, uh, again, take it with a grain of salt, the scrimmage earlier today, which we're going to have some audio to share for you on tomorrow's show. Um, so if you have to pick, K.J. Adams, Cam Martin, the other freshman setter, Kyle Cuff, Bobby Pettiford, Joe Yesifu, I mean, the first one you have to look at is that point guard spot because those seven guys I named, there's not a backup point guard. There's not a second point guard. And yeah, Kevin McCuller can play some minutes for you at the point, but you want that other guy who can play there. So you immediately say whoever wins the battle between Joe Yesifu and Bobby Pettiford, which, you know, is, is tough to kind of figure out because I think in the case of Pettiford, he was probably ahead of Joe Yesifu early in the season. He gets injured. Did Joe Yesifu do enough that when he would come back, he'd be ahead of him? I don't know. And Joe Yesifu playing now while uh, Pettiford maybe has some setbacks and is still dealing with injury, does that allow Joe to gain more of an edge on Pettiford? But nonetheless, I look at saying one of those two guys would be the eighth man in the rotation. K.J. Adams would be the ninth man, and then the other of the two might be the tenth man. But that's that's really freaking hard. You're going to have some good players that get left out of playing time because of how darn deep this upcoming team is. And I just thought that that quote that he gave was interesting from that perspective. We're going to take a time out here. When we come back, we caught up with Diedrich Lawson earlier today. The 2018-2019 third-team AP All-American will join us. He's going to be in town for the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic for the game tomorrow. We have two tickets to the Round Ball Classic. Come on by to Jefferson's West. If you just tell me your favorite story, stat, I don't know, jersey number, whatever, from one of our guests today, Wayne Simeon, Brett Ballard, um, upcoming Diedrich Lawson, and Ron Kellogg. Any of the four, I'll give you the two free tickets. We have other stuff to give away, T-shirts, and it's all going to a good cause if you spend any money here, 50%. As long as you tell them it's for the Round Ball Classic, it's going to go to the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. I'm Derek Johnson. We're 15 past the hour. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Again out at Jefferson's West on Wakarusa. Come on by. I've got two free tickets for the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. First person to come by can claim them. We've also got some T-shirts and other stuff to give away. And 50% of the proceeds here at the Rock Chalk or at uh, Jefferson's are going to go to the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. Earlier today, had a chance to catch up with Diedrich Lawson, a All-American in the 2018-2019 season. He had 18 games with 20 or more points. He had 22 games with double-digit rebounds. He was just an absolute beast 
And um, just like imagine one of two things, either if like if either of the rules were the way they are today with the transfer rule where you get automatic eligibility or with NIL. And for Diedrich, he went pro after that season. I'm going to ask him if, you know, if NIL was around, if he would have stayed for that following season, because that following season ended up, they were the number one team in the country. Now I had uh, an all American coming back to the team. And how good is that team at that point? Right? Like, like, I don't know. This, This sounds hyperbolic, but are they only losing one game? Are they going undefeated? Like seriously. Um, so I'll, I'll ask him about that, but also the transfer rule with the way it is now, he would have just been eligible in 2017-18, a team that made the Final Four and could have used more big men. And imagine a lineup where you have Diedrich Lawson at the five, Svee at the four, and yeah, there might be something to be lost like defensively there, it just in terms of, um, like, Diedrich was, was good at shot, blocking shots, averaged over a, a block per game, but just in terms of, like, Yudoka uh, Azubuki would have been the best shot blocker on the team. So from that standpoint, you wouldn't have that out there. But that team offensively would have been unbelievable. You could have shot from every position on the floor and kind of done what Villanova did to you in that tournament. So uh, just kind of a, an interesting what if or, or what would have happened had current rules been in place just even a few years before for Diedrich Lawson. Uh, but here is our conversation from earlier today with Diedrich. Another special guest joins us here, Diedrich Lawson, All-American from Kansas in the 2018-2019 season. Uh, Before we get into some of the stuff at KU and and the round ball and everything, you've been playing overseas. You've played some summer ball and and some G League ball, and and most recently you're in the Turkish League, which uh, that's like one of the top leagues in, in, in the world. So what's been your experience like since you've left KU and, and playing professional ball in, in some of these different areas? Uh, one thing I, I will say, the fan base is not like KU. Um, you're going to get 16000 to come to the games, but the basketball-wise is very exciting. Uh, you play against high-level competition, and, of course, at the end of the day, you get paid to play basketball. So it's, in all hindsight, it's all a blessing. Is it is it hard to find food you like or, or things to do when you're playing overseas in another country that you're not familiar with, or uh, is that something that you know some of the the teammates and stuff kind of take you under their wing? Uh, in Europe, it was a it was it was a way easier. When I was in Turkey, it was a, it was way more Americanized. A lot more people speak English, and um, I had more than one teammate. Even when I was I was in South Korea, um, one of my teammates was um, Jeff Whitney. Um, the the other guy that went to Kansas and um, me and him was on teams and most of the times he we were like text each other about like getting food and things like that when I was in South Korea but Turkey you can move around kind of like how how you move in America as far as like speaking English and food restaurants and things of that nature. Yeah, what was that like playing with Jeff? Uh, I'm sure it's nice to have another big man down low who's uh, blocking a lot of shots and and covering for a lot of the defense there. I love playing with Jeff. Jeff. Jeff had a very high IQ for the game, and and we even had the same agent um, dealing with like the basketball process. And, and uh, so we, we we met a few times. Then we even played against each other one or two times at Kansas. Um, he came back the year that we went to the Final Four with Devontae Graham, and he played a couple of times with us. But playing with Jeff is definitely great uh, to have a, a NBA big man with so much knowledge of, of the game of basketball. Well, I want to ask you your favorite on-the-court and off-the-court story from your time at KU. So let's start with the on-the-court, whether it's uh, in a game, <laughs> whether it's in a practice. Uh, is there something that comes to mind? 
Man, there's so many stories in Kansas. Uh, shoot. Well, I will. I will I'm gonna start with off the court. It was one year. Um, it was it was like uh, one year. Coach Steph had curfews. The year I had red shirted. But I'm like, I ain't played, so why I got a curfew for? So I end up going out. Uh, it was like for Charlie Moore's birthday. Then he ended up finding out. He made he made me, Charlie, and Marcus. I think Sylvia, we had to run like 30 suicides in 30 minutes, and I ain't even playing a guy. You know, I, I remember – I don't remember. This might have been you. This might not have been you. And maybe it's easier to talk about a few years later. And I don't mean to touch on like a sore subject if this is, but um, I, I think it was the year you were red shirting as well. And the team went off to like Italy or something in the summer. And I think in one of the pregame, like, I don't know, and getting ready, like to practice, I think you and Mitch got into a, a little bit of a, a scuffle or something um, that happened. Yeah. Do you remember that story? What exactly happened there? Man, um, my first, you know, at Kansas practice, we played no fouls. So uh, the first week I had went up and I said, I'm thinking like, you know, foul call. I think Coach Howard or Coach Rob was like, oh, we don't play fouls. I'm like, dang, no fouls? Like, that's crazy. All right. So it's like I started getting used to it and stuff like that. But, like, it was just, it just kept getting on my nerves every day. I kept getting fouled and nobody was calling fouls. But um, so this one day um, we were playing, and um, you know it's it's, a, it's it's high level practice. It's Kansas, like everybody's playing hard, and like it's still it's fouls gonna happen. So boom, um, I did that, went to the whole foul, then like so I get mad. I had fouled him back, like I don't even foul. I, I had fouled him back. Then boom, foul. He just it really just emotion. He ran up. Uh, we we pushed and shoved, and boom. And like we got to a little altercation. But Mitch, uh, we talked about it after. And like Mitch is a great guy, and I love playing with him when he was there. He was always a great character to be around. Yeah, it's it's. I'm sure anybody who's played basketball has gotten into you know one of those a time or two. It's just kind of yeah, kind of fun yeah. when it happens there. Um, <laughs> so, do you have a a favorite? I, I, I guess a, I don't know. It, was there like a game that you most remember in your time at KU for like maybe that was your best game or you felt most in the zone or, or you just had so much fun with the back and forth of the game? Is there one of those that maybe sticks out to you? I I have one that that if you don't have that I remember from watching you. Um, it was the Iowa State game at home uh, in Allen Fieldhouse. And I think you guys might have been coming off a loss like the previous Saturday or something. It was a big game, I think big Monday game. Iowa State had a good team that obviously went on and, and won the Big 12 tournament. And you just went off. I think you had like 30 points, 10, 15 rebounds. You're hitting some big threes late in the games. Is, is there a game that, that maybe sticks out to you that year? I think my favorite game uh, that year in Kansas was probably against Tennessee. Mm. It was it was early on though. It was against Tennessee, and it was just it was it was just so much fun. It was a fun atmosphere. We was in New York. I I, got, I really got a couple of games. That game, TCU at home, TCU at TCU. KJ hit a big shot, so I was happy for him. Um, it was a it was it was, it was a lot of favorable games at Kansas. You, you you play against so many good opponents, so. It's so hard to just pinpoint, you know, like one game or, or one or one emotion during 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 during, the, during that season at Kansas. But I definitely go with the Tennessee game or the or the or the TCU game or the or the TCU game at TCU when KJ hit the floaters to send us to overtime.
Yeah, that was a, that was a big one there, and that was a uh, a long game with the overtime and everything. And yeah, KJ was huge coming down the stretch of that one. And um, you know, it it has to be unfortunate. Like, do you, do you think back at all and and feel like a, a kind of what if or like uh, a little you know it's just unfortunate how it happened with Yudoka Azubuke getting injured. You guys were nine and zero, and then he gets injured, and um, certainly that's going to make things tougher when you're starting center isn't able to play for you the rest of the season like do you ever think back and just be like man if, if only Doak would have been healthy for that season like we could have done something special there oh yeah for sure if Doak if, you know, if we have Doak then yeah we we final four elite eight like we won we we, 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 we would have never became a four seed we would have came a, at least a one or two seed so we would have had a different season going into March we would have never played against Auburn so early. So, so the hardest thing about the NCAA tournament getting past that first weekend. So we would have got past that first weekend. We, we, would, have, we would have definitely made some noise. Yeah, it's tough too because that Auburn team ended up being really, really good um, that you guys had to play. Exactly. You know, I, I guess I don't even really have a question here. I just wanted to make note of this, but um, obviously being a you know losing in the second round, you don't necessarily get to see the repercussions of all the 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 talk and the, and the fame around the long NCAA tournament run but you averaged 25 and 11 in that NCAA tournament in those two games i like i said i don't really have a question here but again like that's just unfortunate cuz if dokes on the team and you guys make a run to you know like you said the elite 8 or the final 4 or win a title or something like that and you're putting up 25 and 11 on the, on the way like that is going down as one of the most legendary runs in in KU tournament history all right that's true. That is true. I didn't even know I averaged twenty five and eleven either. I didn't even know. Do you ever think about what or, or how things would be different? Obviously, the transfer rules now, where it's the one free time transfer, you had to sit out a year, and that twenty seventeen twenty eighteen team that you had to sit out and, and redshirt a year with, the team made the final four, even without you and KJ and, and Charlie Moore too, who had to sit out as well. Um, and it's it's kind of hard to be like, well, with with how good that Villanova team is that that beat you guys in in the Final Four that year. Like, it's hard to be like, well, if you change this, like all of a sudden X and Y changes because that team was just so loaded. But it's hard not to see how good that team was in making the Final Four and just kind of think back to if the transfer rule was different and you guys are all eligible. I mean, do you ever think back to that maybe like that team wins a title or something like that? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, we thought about that during the time we was there. You know, not saying that like all three of us are game changer, but you definitely can change the game with like three different perspectives of players to come with a different approach. And you don't know out of their three, what three players could have put their hand on the game to change it in a different way, or whatever player. Um, you know, just just depend on lineups and how Coach Bell played that day, or he might use a different approach than like with the different players he have. You know, so you definitely you you, you definitely look look back on times throughout your life, especially playing around basketball on certain situations when you like, man, we we could have did this different or this could have went this way. But like like you said, it just it just be thought. I I don't know if there's a difference between guys who are great in practice versus guys who are great in games, but who was always the toughest player? that you either played with or played against at KU in practices, whether it was that redshirt year or your next season where you were playing? Man, 
I'm not gonna lie, the the code of being President Kansas are the walk on. Chris Tehan was nice. Uh what is that? Garrett Garrett the Garrett Lewinstra. Man, he was so cold to me. He <laughs> <It> was good. <laughs> Don't walk on with Cole and there, and that that what blew my mind about Kansas. And I forgot that I said the walk on good. They can go play D one somewhere if they want to. Well, you went you went pro after that eighteen nineteen season, and I don't know how like close of a decision that was or not for you, um, because anytime you put up the type of numbers you did, and, and you're an all American, it's it's hard not to, you know, capitalize off that and, and start your professional career. But nowadays, that that nil is a thing. Do you think things would have worked differently that maybe that would have been more in question for you to come back to school at KU if you knew that NIL was around the corner and coming back off an All-American season, you'd probably making a pretty penny at KU? I would have came back. It's just it's unfortunate the way that the rules work out because it's just, you know, yeah. it's just one of those things where it just didn't work out timeline-wise, but yeah, you see a guy like you know, Jalen Wilson this year, um, who comes back to school and he could have gone to pro if, if he wanted to, but I'd imagine he's going to make a good amount of money off NIL, which, which is awesome for you guys. Um, this is your first time coming back for the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. We, we do a points draft here. Uh, we just draft, you know, it's kind of for respect or pride amongst us. We just pick different players and see whoever totals the most points. What can we expect out of you in the Round Ball tomorrow night? Uh man, I'm, I'm gonna make some shots, put on the show, make some threes. Just try to, you know, people come out to see alumni and they want to be entertained. So hopefully, just give people some entertainment for the evening and get them on the show. And how excited are you to come back and and see some former teammates uh, and come back to kind of the Lawrence community? I don't know if you've been back to Lawrence since uh, you left KU, um, all while kind of getting to be a part of a, a really special event for these kids. I, I was thinking about coming back to KU last year. I just couldn't make it last year because I had to. Um, I was in Boston for, for like a month working out with the summer league program. And when Brian hit me last year, I wanted to come last year. Then when I was overseas, I was like, man, I'm a. I, I, I wasn't even thinking about the round ball because I was just saying I had to make a trip back to Kansas, you know, just to see some 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 the coaches and things like that and where you play college ball and unfortunately um, the round ball classic. Um, they, they 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 wanted me to come, so I was definitely happy and excited to do that. So I'm, I'm more than excited and more than welcome to be here or, or to be coming. Can we pencil you and KJ in for a combined 30 points? Oh, yeah. Love yeah. it. Love it. Well, Diedrich, I appreciate catching up with you. Uh, we look forward to seeing you at the game, and uh, I'm sure you're going to rack up a good amount of points. Um, safe travels and everything. And like I said, look forward to seeing you in about uh, 24 hours. All right, see you guys later. All right, that was Diedrich Lawson. That's a uh, pretty telling moment there. Uh, the one about, you know, if NIL was a thing, would he come back? He was like, yeah. And no hesitation there. He was just like, yes. And uh, imagine that team. Because like I said, the 2019-20 team, they're the best team in the country. They ended up not getting the NCAA tournament, obviously, because of COVID. But that team lost three games all season. Now add a player who was an All-American the season before back to that team. And, um, you know, obviously the season before when you had Diedrich with Doak playing next to each other, that team was 9-0. and So uh, <laughs> success probably would have just continued. And, and honestly, I, I guess it, 
in the end, it's it's not like it, it stripped away a, a title from you because you didn't have NIL and, and Diedrich didn't come back because obviously it didn't end up mattering with no NCAA tournament due to COVID there. But um, it's just, I, I think that, that shows the, I guess, I don't know, like coolness, if that's a word, of, of NIL and that you can get some of these good players back because they can make their market worth um, playing in the NCAA. And, and that's a cool thing about all this, that you get players back like this year. For instance, Drew Timmy and Oscar Shibway coming back to like Kentucky and Gonzaga, and they're going to be All-Americans returning and thought to be national player. Like that's what would have happened if Deidre Lawson was in town with NIL. And uh, certainly KU would have been in an even better spot than they already were with being the best team in the country. It would have just been another gap up with Diedrich back to the fold. We're going to take a time out here. We're out of Jefferson's West. Come on by. I've got a couple free tickets to the Rock Truck Round Ball Classic. We've got some other stuff to give away as well. And 50% of your proceeds here at Jefferson's going to go to the Rock Truck Round Ball Classic. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.